0: Hello and welcome to the Access of Space, Defense, and Security podcast. I'm Omkar Nikam, your host for this episode. In this podcast, we explore the latest developments and trends in the fields of space exploration, defense technology, and national security. Each episode features insightful interviews with experts and industry leaders who share their perspectives on a wide range of topics, including the latest advances in satellite technology, space exploration missions, military defense strategies, cybersecurity, and more. Whether you are a space enthusiast, a military professional, or someone interested in the latest innovation in technology and security, this podcast has something for you. Join us as we delve into the cutting-edge research, breakthroughs that are shaping the future of space, defense, and security. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Episode 5 hybrid threats, and and its impact on Russia-Ukraine war. To understand this complex landscape of threat research and analysis, we have today with us retired Colonel Ralph Thiel. He's also the CEO of StratBite Consulting. Hi, Ralph. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah. Hi, Omkar. It's uh, good to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: Likewise, thank you very much for joining us. And it's uh, really great to have an international security expert like you on the podcast. As we'll be taking a deep dive into this topic, so can you please provide us a brief outlook on your journey in the international security domain?
1: Well, it's a lengthy undertaking, I must say, but in a way, I've been 40 years in the German Armed Forces. 25 of these 40 years I've spent with top governmental or international officials. So I was speech writing for a federal president. I was doing policy and plans for our Minister of Defense. Uh, I was uh, working in the office of our Vice Chief of Defense Staff. Actually, with the German unification, I also got uh, uh, an assignment in the Supreme Allied Commander Europe's uh, private office, uh, which was interesting to see all these uh, Eastern uh, and Central European uh, states uh, coming apart uh, the Soviet uh, Union and uh, becoming members of the European Union interesting environment. Uh, In fact, uh, I've been uh, commander of the Bundeswehr Transformation Center, supposed to uh, make uh, the Bundeswehr a capable uh, force for the 21st century. Uh, I've been at the NATO Defense College. So you see quite a number of uh, assignments. Uh, Since 2013, I'm uh, in in independent uh, consulting and uh, running my own uh, business, uh, I've been advising uh, governments, uh, I've been advising uh, major market uh, leaders uh, on the, on the network security and transformational issues, uh, and uh, I've been in particular focusing on hybrid uh, warfare and uh, disruptive technologies, and I guess this is what we are speaking about today. That's
0: an excellent journey. Uh, and it's it's a very wide experience for someone who has already seen the unification of the Germany and later on taken a step into the hybrid warfare research. It's, it's something really great to have. And it's, it, I think it's a very rare domain of research as well, which not many countries are yet focusing. And I'm glad that in Europe, there are some moments happening in the hybrid threats research. Uh, so... What Like, you know, taking a deep dive into this topic, uh, what are the hybrid threats and why are they important in modern warfare from your perspective?
1: In particular, it's uh, information and communication technology that enables a lot of things uh, mankind has done for thousands of years, uh, but was, was not able to do because they didn't have this modern information and communication technology. So hybrid warfare aims uh, uh, below the uh, threshold of war uh, and still tries to compel, compel uh, the own uh, uh, ideas, policy on opponents. Uh, this is what it does. And uh, in an ideal case, um, you need not uh, to have a war anymore because the opponent and his country and his society are giving up be- be- uh, before you have to use uh, weapons uh, Actually, this is something that uh, Vladimir uh, Putin also attempted in Ukraine. From there, it is uh, very relevant. Actually, a couple of years ago, he has been more successful than uh, this time, but still he attempted it uh, uh, with uh, mighty, mighty forces. And uh, what we see are a uh, wild mix from of cyber, uh, of electronic warfare, of uh, attempts uh, to hijack uh, critical infrastructure and uh, of uh, disinformation. in principle these are key ingredients uh, of what has been done
0: that's quite interesting so you mentioned like there's there's a quite a lot of impact on the civilian aspect as well Uh, so can you uh, extend a little bit on how this impact is
1: well, when we look at Ukraine in this case, uh, actually the uh, war started already uh, weeks uh, earlier. Uh, uh, when you look at that, because, uh, or in months, uh, you could say, uh, first of all, uh, Russian media uh, were trying to uh, uh, to leave their imprint on the minds uh, of uh, people that were watching these media, which actually are overwhelmingly used in all of uh, Eastern Europe, so not just in Russia, uh, but also in Ukraine and other, other countries as well. So we have a, a permanent penetration in principle of minds. Uh, you have then um, corruption. Uh, so I'm aware that uh, quite a number of uh, Russian diplomats were ready to take over Uh, The um, government in Ukraine, uh, after the intended uh, coup, uh, there was a lot of corruption, so that uh, there was hope. Uh, The uh, government uh, officials would uh, take off once uh, uh, Putin's forces would enter the country, uh, and then uh, in principle they could take over. Uh, This obviously didn't work out well for a couple of reasons. Uh, Yet, uh, it also worked to a degree, Uh, I recall, uh, reports from high ranking Ukrainian uh, generals uh, that were uh, surprised how little defended, for example, the airports were near to Kiev, uh, when they passed by uh, close to the attack. Uh, And so they did that last minute. So uh, we will find out in some time, uh, what has happened there. We had an infiltration uh, of the, uh, the government agencies and their IT systems uh, by Russian hackers. Uh, so they they were willing uh, to take them uh, out of service. Uh, we had the same on the internet in uh, in Ukraine. Uh, so there were quite a, a number uh, of activities going on. Uh, on. Uh, unfortunately, fortunately, um, uh, the. Uh, government and some of its uh, agencies have been prepared in advance by uh, the United States, uh, Great Britain, and uh, and also Canada uh, uh, to um, uh, to uh, react uh, with a certain uh, capability to these uh, offenses. And so uh, they didn't work out as it was intended to be. But it's a thrilling business where you really don't know. Which uh, uh, means the opponent has at hand and how they effectively uh, will work, in particular when you're surprised by such attacks.
0: Yes, I think as you mentioned, uh, Russia is definitely capable of hybrid threats and uh, you know, like conducting hybrid threats or striking it. And from that perspective, like, do you think Ukraine has been, if Ukraine has been receiving so much uh, unanimous military support from the NATO member states? Uh, so is it capable enough to challenge the incoming hybrid threats from russia now as opposed to what it was capable of before the
1: war yes it's in a better position i would say it's we have a very special situation because in a way half of the world is supporting ukraine in particular although it was intelligence uh, intelligence in fact is uh, all kind of intelligence it's open sources intelligence it's uh, electronic intelligence it's communication intelligence it's signal intelligence so it's uh, uh, quite a number of uh, impressive capabilities that come to the support of the ukrainians uh, uh, they have been trained uh, to uh, uh, use that uh, information they are getting and actually they have also shown a very uh, impressive and interesting uh, ability uh, to uh, apply it in a kind of experimental modus uh, into their operations so that uh, this certainly has been a surprise uh, for russia uh, so that they uh, their hybrid uh, attacks uh, didn't have the impact they might have had. We've seen that, by the way, uh, in particular in space, as space is a uh, very important uh, uh, domain uh, in that field, uh, where uh, Russian cyber uh, attacks went towards uh, Vyazat and uh, really hit it uh, hard. Uh, Fortunately, again, the the united uh, joint efforts of industry uh, governmental entities and international help um, uh, could uh, get them back again <laughs> uh, to operations. And then, of course, we have to mention Elon Musk's uh, uh, engagement there. That uh, uh, he was also pretty, uh, pretty well, was in- intense target of Russian cyber attacks, uh, uh, who also managed with uh, a dedicated uh, working force uh, to overcome all these things. Uh, sometimes even uh, by uh, just uh, changing uh, codes before they could uh, really be uh, attacked. So a very interesting uh, learning experience. So yes, uh, Ukraine, with a little help uh, from its uh, Western friends, uh, is able to withstand uh, Russian hybrid threats. That,
0: that's really interesting. And uh, as you mentioned about the space technology, I think it's it's a very important point. Uh, we have seen like Russia is, already capable of having you know a lot of things especially in the space industry they are highly capable uh, so as per your view do you think ukraine should have invested more in space technology before the conflict and how it has impacted the overall position of ukraine in tackling the hybrid threats
1: well uh, the ukraine's um, came last minute uh, uh, in a way but i think every every one of us uh, would have uh, uh had uh, difficulties in a, in a valid preparation. Uh, if you really recall, when you look at space, for example, and, uh, most of the traditional space support and communications and observation and intelligence uh, is uh, uh, was, uh, uh, was, uh, geostationary satellites uh, uh, that uh, are very expensive uh, and are high up in the sky. And uh, when you now, as a country that is not so rich like Ukraine, want to order... One or two or, or times, uh, it's it's quite an effort to come to this point. Uh, I understand that uh, Elon Musk, for example, had offered uh, already six weeks before the war uh, to provide his capabilities. Yes, and it happened then on day two of the war that, in principle, uh, then it was accepted. Uh, and then uh, you can see again uh, 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 unbelievable things happening. So not only him providing satellite capacity and, and ground stations, but also uh, by crowdsourcing that uh, individuals uh, by uh, ground stations uh, or uh, allies provide provide them then the ability of uh, Ukrainian engineers uh, to make them uh, the satellite cap- capacity and the communication capacity uh, through space uh, available for both for operational purposes in particular. Uh, drone, uh, the usage of drone to fight tanks, uh, uh, which has been tremendous, uh, actually, and a real killer uh, for the first phase of the Russian aggression. Um, so uh, this is something that in a kind of experimental uh, development, uh, uh, overnight uh, was developed, uh, uh, proved to be very Effective and so, in principle, um, Elon Musk will be in a position to say at a point uh, that he significantly contributed to save the Ukraine. Uh, amazing! Uh, no, who could have thought that? And how could you prepare for that? So, in principle, I think it's uh, it's the willingness to give uh, from those who provide it, as uh, also the readiness to accept and then implement that into a capability uh, that uh, was really. Uh, uh, surprising on the other hand and we still struggle to understand that uh, with all the high end technology uh, Russia owns uh, uh, it's not too well uh, in its performance Uh, this is uh, something that uh, makes me think that uh, they fell victim to their own hybrid uh, approach uh, means they never really expected that they need to fight they just thought they could march into the country and take over uh, it's, it's really amazing to see how how many deficiencies uh, in the professional performance uh, uh, the uh, the Russian yeah command uh, but also the soldiers themselves uh, displayed uh, during this uh, conflict so far. So that you have uh, plenty of surprises, uh, above average uh, or brilliant performance of the uh, on the Ukrainian side and uh, uh, yeah under average performance on the. Russian side, uh, uh, agility, uh, experimental uh, innovation, uh, getting it on board. So it's uh, it's uh, kind of interesting.
0: Yes, I think uh, uh, Russia didn't really calculate the impact of private commercial space technology companies because in this war, I have always seen in the media, people always mentioning, you know, the West has always helped. But I would say it's the private commercial companies who have come forward in the developed countries especially in the Europe and the United States and contributed to the government's, you know, extension of help towards the Ukraine. And I think that 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 was a point uh, where they miscalculated possibly the capabilities because all these years, the government has been a top player in the space industry. And now when the private players are coming up, as you mentioned about Elon Musk. So I think, yeah, that that has been a quite a miscalculation in their uh, <laughs> warfare <laughs> assessment And it
1: also affects us, by the way. Uh, So when you look at that, uh, 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 nobody in our, at least European governments, would have believed that is possible. Uh, And uh, with the short memory I've experienced in my 40 years in government, uh, I'm afraid they will forget it after the war again. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think they should keep uh keep up this consistent uh you know investment and research towards this technologies uh, just to take a step back uh from the ukraine because we have been observing similar kind of tensions happening uh between china and taiwan as well uh so ju- this is just a you know question uh out of a global contest like looking at the recent landscape of conflicts do you think countries like countries in general countries from anywhere like it might be Asian country or European uh, nation so financially as well as with time and efforts are investing enough into study and to and to counter hybrid threats uh,
1: I unfortunately I don't think so you see I'm I'm in this hybrid uh, business research uh, development uh, since uh, more than a decade and uh, when you actually look at that how government it, they treat it uh, they, uh, as a kind of Abnormities, so they do business as usual, and then they look uh, into things uh, that they don't really understand and take them as hybrid. And, uh, what is missing is an overall approach, uh, because for my uh, for my sensing, a hybrid is a new standard, uh, and it applies uh, to small players and to uh, big players, and the military um, has an important role but uh, perhaps it's from a classical cake, a round cake we eat here in Germany, uh, with 16 pieces. Uh, The military has perhaps two or three pieces. The other pieces are non-military pieces, like intelligence, like uh, economy, like media, society. uh, So there are critical infrastructures, uh, plenty of things. And um, all is based in principle on um, a healthy economy, it's uh, it's also based on resilience uh, to withstand uh, shocks and stress, uh, be it natural or hybrid, by by governmental players or even by commercial players. Uh, we have not discussed this aspect yet uh, because although they can come on board just just briefly to mention. When you look, uh, the two uh, uh, entities that collect most data in the world are. Amazon and Alibaba. So it's not the U.S. and China. It's actually two companies who uh, collect particularly uh, much data and are particularly professional in dealing with so many data, even in influencing individuals. So governments, companies, and individuals. So this is a very broad uh, scope. And uh, governments are only very slowly uh, getting a grip on that. And uh, this also applies to international organizations such as, as NATO uh, or the European Union, and they use uh, the vo- vocabulary uh, since a couple of years. Uh, uh, but uh, when you look at the entities that are prepared uh, to deliver instruments of power, uh, if I may say so, and this is again, not just uh, the military one, but all the other uh, features we have at hand, and there's an enormous uh, growth potential. So, um, we need uh, to understand the threat better. We need to come up with concepts, and we need to come up with capabilities resting on uh, plans and concepts uh, dealing with cyber warfare. And and this, uh, as you as your question uh, pointed at, of course, is uh, is valid all over the world. So when you look uh, in particular at the Chinese neighborhood, uh, uh, they would be well advised uh, uh, to do likewise. Uh, China uh, certainly uh, is watching very closely uh, what Russia is doing, but also what the West is doing in dealing with Russian threats, uh, in particular also with uh, Russian hybrid threats. And it uh, will learn from that, and uh, you can expect that they uh, will apply their lessons learned in their neighbourhood.
0: Yes, definitely. I think uh, it's 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 also it is also a wake up call for the. You know, possibly all the defense agencies around the world who are not actually, you know, taking care of the hybrid threats or the hybrid mo- modern warfare. Uh, and I think the current landscape of all the conflicts is a kind of a key take key, key takeaway as well for uh, several lineup of nations. And I, I think we are proceeding ahead with the conclusion part, but just prior to that, after having provided such an extended outlook on hybrid threats, uh, what are your thoughts on Europe's position? And uh, do you think European security agencies are encouraging or investing into hybrid threats research enough to push the, you know, the barriers?
1: We are are starting. We are beginners, uh, let me put it this way. So the good good news is, in principle, that we have understood uh, there are hybrid threats. uh, uh, I guess the focus at the moment is uh, in particular on death information, uh, which is... um, and an important issue, uh, so I don't want to play it uh, too much uh, down. Uh, uh, misleading individuals, uh, companies, governments, uh, um, if it works, uh, is, is an important thing. But, of course, you have to see it uh, in conjunction with other activities. Let's take uh, energy for the uh, moment uh, when you, um, as example, uh, when you can attack energy, and public opinion, then you have a kind of reinforcing couple to destroy uh, or at least to damage societies. This is something uh, that uh, to a degree uh, we can see uh, at the moment uh, coming up in Europe and, uh, and I'm afraid the, there are no good plans yet uh, how to deal with the issue. But uh, you have on top a couple of other issues. You have uh, the whole uh, the magnitude of cyber uh, issues um, we uh, i guess uh, 70, 70 so 70% uh, of uh, hybrid uh, um, uh, aggression uh, and campaigns are linked uh, to cyber uh, issues where um, uh, russia actually has managed to get well into our systems uh, one thing that has not been uh, watched too long is uh, Uh, how they got into the updates of our uh, security systems uh, and uh, actually uh, uh, sneaked in uh, in the US and also in most of the European security agencies. And we have no clue uh, what that actually means uh, uh, with the uh, upcoming quantum uh, computing capabilities. uh, We have to be aware that uh, real-time hacking becomes uh, a a real possibility. Uh, So when you look at this, uh, how well are we at this point, uh, I would say the good news is that uh, Europe has understood, the European Union has has understood that this is an issue, that actually, which is also good news, uh, they have uh, lined up with NATO uh, to uh, jointly address these uh, threats Uh, At the moment, um, uh, it's seen still as a kind of national obligation to deal uh, with hybrids, uh, with uh, hybrid threats, and then they offer a degree of support then to uh, nations uh, in need of help. Uh, I think uh, this is a little bit uh, dated uh, in this approach because actually uh, hybrid reach doesn't know country borders. It uh, just uh, knows domains uh, through which it uh, through which it walks and where it uh, damages uh, the targets uh, as as wanted. Uh, so we need to be very agile, uh, uh, at least uh, in the, the near real time uh, capacity. We need to be aware uh, that these aggressions uh, may move like a chameleon through uh, through, through space, air, uh, sea, cyber uh, domains, land domains, uh, uh, and we are. Uh, yeah, uh, tracking it all the time and uh, trying to find where it is and what is the purpose uh, of the aggressor to do with that. Uh, so there's so much challenge there that uh, hopefully uh, we uh, take this as a kind of warning what's happening right now in Ukraine that we have to become much better.
0: I think, uh, I hope... I would say not think, but I would say I hope they keep on continuing this investment into this research uh, because I think it's very critical. And looking forward, the multi-domain operational capabilities are also developing. Uh, We have seen uh, drones from Turkey, uh, which also potentially some of them have, uh, uh, you know, satellite terminal. And I think the multi-domain operational capabilities are developing so therefore, I think there is there is a more need towards you know, investment to the hybrid threats, definitely. And this, uh,
1: let, if, I, if I may, may uh, here again uh, add something, uh, when you look at the in, innovation areas in principle, uh, we know already with microelectronics that China may be uh, a world champion in 2030 uh, with uh, artificial intelligence. the uh, Americans are not sure uh, whether the Chinese have departed already with their capabilities so that, they have difficulties uh, uh, to become even again. And when you look at quantum capabilities, uh, uh, the Chinese are off. Although in Europe, uh, there are most of the scientists uh, that are, uh, know the domain and uh, could do it. Our lack of capability is right now to, uh, uh, to get a traction on the ground, to get projects forward, to get it to the market. So uh, this is achievable, but it needs focus uh, and uh, ambition
0: Sorry. yes definitely I think uh, as we are reaching the you know, the end point of the conversation so I would just like to know uh, what is your message uh, to the future generation stepping into this field of international security, defense and strategic studies like after your decades of experience what are the key takeaways would you like to give them
1: Yeah, We need uh, to be broad and deep at the same time dealing with uh, hybrid challenges and uh, respective uh, technologies. What it means is actually for uh, future uh, people that uh, get in charge, uh, we need both generalists uh, that understand the the system of systems. Actually, that's behind it and can, uh, can drive it and shape it. Uh, but we also need uh, specialists that uh, dive deep uh, into uh, technologies and their capabilities. Uh, so this is a time of focus, of concepts, uh, of preparation. And then uh, I guess we will have not too much time uh, then to get also um, our instruments uh, uh, of power uh, ready, uh, to apply because what we see on the uh, on the broad scale is in principle uh, a big fight uh, about uh, well who is stronger, democracy or or the autocrats, uh, 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 so dictatorship. What uh, who is uh, stronger with that? What kind of rules will apply internationally in the future? And that's all addressing uh, the future of our nations and our way of life. So again. Uh, we need generalists and specialists, and they need to be shaped and born now.
0: Yes, definitely. Like, thank thank you very much again, uh, Ralph, uh, for this conversation. Uh, and I hope uh, people take away a lot of key things out of this. Uh, though it was a very brief, we can definitely have a second session, a follow up session of this. Uh, so, yeah, thank you very much for this conversation, and we wish you good luck with your research analysis on hybrids. Yeah.
1: Thank you very much, Omkar. It has been a pleasure. All the best to you. Yes.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. If you find our podcast insightful, then please like, share and subscribe. See you in the next
1: episode. Thank you.